Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Sharkwater Extinction is a thrilling and inspiring action-packed journey that follows filmmaker Rob Stewart as he exposes the massive illegal shark fin industry and the political corruption behind it, a conspiracy that is leading to the extinction of sharks from West Africa, Spain, Panama, Costa Rica, France, and even in our own backyard. Stewart's third film dives into the often violent world of pirate fishing trade to expose a multi-billion dollar industry. And we're joined today by the field coordinator, but but more importantly, the founder of Sea Change Agency and an integral part of the making of Sharkwater Extinction, and that would be Brock Cahill. Brock, welcome to Film School. Thanks, Mike. Glad to be here with you today. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, this is a film that I wish there was some way that every single American, but certainly every as many people as humanly possible, need to see this film. And uh, yeah. you go, it, it just you just do because it is such a clarion call for us to do something and without hesitation. It's hard to watch at times, but at the same time, I am so glad that I will not be able to unsee what I saw in this film, and I'm going to tell as many people as I can about it. Talk talk to us a little bit about Rob, uh, Rob Stewart and about the the this third film in this trilogy of films he's done about sharks and the uh, the health of the ocean. Tell me a little bit about what I've left out or what it, what do you want to add to uh, to what this when why this film is so important. Well, thanks, Mike. Yeah, I mean, like you say. It's a clarion call. I like the word that you use there in that it's time for all of us to recognize the fact that sharks, love them or hate them, they're extremely necessary for all species on this planet. They're an absolute keystone species in that every other species in the ocean depends upon their survival. So, you know, if we're to take this apex-level predator out of the ocean, the entire ecosystem will go out of balance, and we'll see a problem in the trophic cascade of other bait-level fish starting to rise up and eat more of the phytoplankton, which we all depend upon for oxygen. So that's kind of where this film dives back in. Uh, Rob, as you mentioned, has made a, a series of films previously to kind of illuminate the world to the fact that taking these... Uh, what has been portrayed typically in the grand scheme of things as villains of the ocean, but that are the true heroes of a lot of different things. And, and depending upon how you want to look at it, heroes for the world. If we take these heroes out of the ocean, that we're all in trouble. And, you know, the, the problem in that equation, so to speak, has been due in large part to shark fin soup over the course of history. These animals have been fished basically to take one part of them slice the rest of them off and throw them back into the water alive to suffer, drown, and to die. And then we use the, the fins in uh, a bowl of soup as a delicacy, typically in Asia, but, you know, in a lot of different places in the world. So that has been uh, an ongoing issue for quite some time. With the illumination to that fact in Rob's first movie, Sharkwater, people started to change their habits, you know, people started to discerned that this was not a sustainable practice and that it was an inhumane way of fishing and that 
you know, if they were going to do that, you know, things needed to change. So now there's a lot of awareness as to the shark finning practice, and people have begun to land sharks with their fins attached in many countries all over the world. There's been government policy passed in 40 nations that say you cannot just land a, a, a fishing catch with fins solo. You know, they have, they have to be attached to the carcass of the shark. But therein lies the dilemma because we've un willingly created a bunch of new markets for shark products, and those include things like fish meal and pet food and fertilizer and even cosmetics. So now, today, we're fishing almost twice as many sharks out of the ocean that we were 10 years ago. When we first made shark water, it was estimated up to 75 to 90 million sharks were being taken out of the water per year. Now, some estimates run up to 150 million sharks per year are being pulled from the ocean. And as you can imagine, no species can sustain that kind of pressure. Right. And putting aside all of the reasons not to do this that you mentioned um, for one moment, and that is that sharks are also, because they are at the top of the food chain and because our oceans have been increasingly more polluted, sharks are the most toxic fish among, if not maybe the most toxic fish that you would that you would want to consume. Is that correct? That's exactly right, man. You nailed it. And the reason that this happens, Mike, is because, like you say, they're at the top of the food chain. So this biocide, let's call it, accumulates in soft tissues of other animals. And it goes up exponentially every time one of those animals is consumed. And sharks are extremely long lives. You know, some of them live up to 80 years, whatever. So they've been in the water throughout the course of this entire transformation that we've seen, especially in the last 50 years, you know, with the industrialization of fishing and, and a lot of the pollutant runoff and, and the change of the way that the world works. So a lot of these fish have been alive during this entire process and have been accumulating these different kinds of pollutants, PCBs, neurotoxins, plastics, and all kinds of different things, you name it. And you're exactly right. This, this is not safe for consumption on any level for humans. This is a bad situation. We did a, a lot of research with a particular uh, community in Florida. That's It's a shark fishing community. And, of course, they sell you know a lot of the catch to different markets. But also they consume quite a bit in, in their own small community. And the results coming from the tests based upon especially – young women that were pregnant and their babies, uh, the level of neurotoxin and the level of brain malfunction and malformation and, and all these things, it, it was off the charts. So yeah. it's highly recommended that people do not consume shark product whatsoever. The bad news is that we're being unwillingly fed these things and they're being mislabeled. You know, they're being fed to us in fish and chips and called things like rock salmon and flake and boyillo and and a bunch of different names. There's 18 names for shark product that don't even say the word shark in it. So a lot of times they're missed, like a mako shark, for instance, is mislabeled as a swordfish. And this is, a, this is a terrible tragedy. We can't allow these kind of things to be happening to our family and our friends and to, to people. So we need to wake up and make sure that we insist upon, first of all, that we're not eating shark, and that we're taking it out of our household products, and, and that we're well-informed as to actually what is in some of the food and, and the products that we're consuming. I want to remind our listeners, okay. we're speaking with uh, Brock Cahill. He is the uh, founder of Sea Change, as well as a prominent figure in the film 
Sharkwater Extinction. By the way, if you want to find out more about the film, about uh, the, the work that's being done uh, uh, in service to saving sharks and sh- saving our oceans, you can go to sharkwater.com to find out more. Tell us a little bit about your um, your group as well. Yeah, well, we're based here in Southern California, and uh, of course we have several projects that we work on locally to try to clean up our own waterways and to try to provide um, specific enforcement and and pushing policy in California. Uh, this past year, you may or may not know about the, the California drift net fishery, and drift net fishing is a highly destructive method of fishing where nets a mile long and 130 feet deep are deployed off the back end of a boat and left to drift in the currents, and they catch everything in their wake. You know, they're, they're a curtain of death that will take sea turtles, whales, marine mammals, including dolphins and sea lions, you know, all kinds of different stuff. They're targeting swordfish. They're catching a ton of sharks. But, uh, for instance, this fishery has now been outlawed due in large part to Rob's efforts and my efforts and, and the efforts of a, a coalition full of strong activists. Uh, this, this battle has been going on for 15 years or more to try to end this method of fishing. But finally, in the last uh, year, it has come to fruition due in part to some of the footage that we went out and uh, were able to ascertain by diving beneath the surface and starting to film what was being caught in these nets and bring it back to the light and show it to people. And uh, senators in Congress finally were able to see this, and they said, oh, no, this is not applicable in California. we got to end this. Right. And and so we did. Um, that's one of the, the campaigns that we've worked on this past year. And we have all kinds of other campaigns working to, you know, stem the, the tide of plastics flowing out into our oceans to change the way that we fish to make sure that our beaches and our harbors are clean and uh, and to ignite people, to get them involved in, in the process in their own backyard so that they can work locally but then ad- kind of uh, examine the problem on a global level. So that's, mm-hmm. that's what we do. We try to get people involved on grassroots kind of level, but ignite them into even a, a larger scale and becoming part of the solution on a global level. So what would, if people want to track you down online, where do they go? Yeah, they can check us out on, on the website, which is called the Uh We also are on social media, uh, on uh, Facebook and Instagram, uh, the Sea Change Agency, that's us, yeah. and uh, Team Sharkwater on Instagram, as well as on Facebook, and you can find out a lot of information on all these platforms. In terms of the, the this new film that's out, and by the way, it's out in theaters, You by going to uh, sharkwater.com, you can find out where it's playing nearby you. It's also, um, will soon, if not already, be on uh, iTunes, um, I believe it's already on yep. iTunes, as well, as well as other platforms, I'm sure uh, you can find it there. But uh, I encourage you to go to the theaters, because uh, it just, it, it's... It means a lot, not only to the, the uh, not only for the experience of going to a theater. I love being in a theater. I love the sort of the community of sharing this experience with other people, but also in terms of the sustainability of the film in theaters, so that it might because it does well, it starts to roll roll out to other theaters, and you start to sort of more people will have an opportunity to to uh, see the film, and so that's always important. 
Um, that's that's totally true, man. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. And this film was meant to be seen on the big screen. I mean, we shot it in 6K, it's beautiful. super high resolution, and the underwater footage is off the charts. Yeah. Rob was one of the greatest underwater cinematographers that the world has ever seen. I often call him a Picasso of sharks and, and of the underwater world. And, and some of the shots and the artistry that he was able to pull off in this film and, and the rest of the team as well, it's it's epic. So, uh, I mean, I can't recommend enough going to see it on a on a wall, you know, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. size of a, a movie screen. So. <laughs> That's true. Well, and his relationship to sharks, it, it, just to watch that in the film is amazing. Uh, it is. It's beautiful. It's it's a ballet of sorts, and it's just it's a conversation. Yeah. And uh, he always said that his goal and his mission in life was to help people transition from that villain mentality that we talked about before that's often called the jaws effect you know that these were painted as mindless killing machines and beasts that were out to get us and eat us he wanted to make sure that people knew that that was not the truth that these are sophisticated and beautiful animals and necessary as we talked about earlier to the survival of all other species in the ocean and on this planet and uh, i think his his message is loud and clear when you see him swimming underwater and you, you see these sharks interacting in a way that is really interesting and yeah. peaceful and beautiful. He's he's at times it looks to to be that he's embracing these these beautiful mammals and um, it's it is a beautiful thing to watch and it's a beautiful film. You're absolutely right. That 6K look is amazing and I mean I saw it not on the big screen unfortunately. I but what I saw I can only imagine the uh, the beauty of it on a on a big uh, theater screen. So, um, yeah, definitely check it out there. Uh, for people who don't know Rob, what would you say to them about him? What was he as a person? What did he mean to you uh, as a friend, as obviously as a colleague, uh, and as someone who cares so much about the world we live in? How would you describe him? Man, uh, I would describe him as a lighthouse and a beacon, you know, uh, Rob was one of my very best friends for well over a decade, and we spent a lot of time together in a lot of far-flung places and saw a lot of challenging and negative situations. But somehow, in some way, he was always able to maintain his positivity. You know, he was a beautiful believer in the ingenuity and the strength and the glory of humanity. And, you know, with all these things that we would see, I would often get upset and angry and couldn't sit there and watch people slaughtering sharks right in front of me. And he would find a way to calm me down and to help me figure out that, you know, fighting these people is not going to be our best uh, line of defense. And finding a way of understanding them and, you know, finding a way of telling their story and maybe even providing a chance for inspiration and for change for them was going to be the way that we surmounted this massive issue. So he always used to tell me, you know, the most important weapon we have in this revolution is not a shotgun, but it's a camera, yeah. and the instrument of light. Yeah. And if we can arm people with knowledge and with inspiration, then we've done our job. And that kind of sums him up in a nutshell. He was just such a positive force for change, and he was so passionate about the cause and about everything that he believed in, which most of all was humanity. Yeah. And uh, 
you know, that's, that's an easy thing to lose at this point in the world. And I, I have seen it a billion times through a lot of other brilliant and inspirational people that they just think, ah, human beings aren't going to do this. But Rob never once considered that to be a possibility. He said that this mission is calling the best in all of us. And imagine this world, if we're able to use this kind of ingenuity that we all have within us to step up and become the next evolution of our own species. Yeah. Imagine what that world will look like. Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing. That's what we're fighting for. We're not trying to fight against something, but we're trying to embrace and envision a world that we would love to live in. And uh, he was brilliant at that. He, I mean, he's better at being that messenger than anyone possibly could have been. So I'm grateful and blessed to have had him as an inspiration on this path and as a as a teacher and a mentor. And I will do my best to carry that message forward wherever we go next. You mentioned earlier the sort of this perception of sharks from popular entertainment, from the Jaws films, and there were a whole bunch of sequels and a whole bunch of, yeah. of uh, knockoffs, and all of them preached the same from the same uh, hymnal, which was that sharks were dangerous, vicious, killing machines, as described by Robert Shaw in uh, in Jaws. It does speak yeah. to the power of popular culture, and I think what you're describing in terms of what Rob's vision was is exactly right. Fight fire with fire in the sense that your films uh, about sharks and about the, the impact of that uh, the killing of these sharks is having is another form of popular culture and maybe not this glitzy, glamorous Hollywood red carpet kind of, kind of um, uh, showcase, but at the same time, it's where it matters, which is these are the facts. These are the, this is the actual world we live in, and yeah. uh, so uh, it may take a little more time than a than a Universal Studios blockbuster uh, to to get that message across. But that it is the truth, and that will eventually win out. Now, whether or not it's, I mean, it's a matter of how much damage is going to be done to to these mammals before that happens. Is is the race. That's where we're at right now, right? Yeah, you nailed it, man. And then you're exactly correct. The truth will win out eventually. It's just uh, I'm hopeful that it's before too much damage is done. And, uh, you know, Robbie made it he made it cool to like sharks. And, and you see all over social media, maybe my, my view is a little polarized because <laughs> I'm in communion with all the shark people. But you see a lot more these days of people loving sharks. And there's a lot of... There's a lot of love for how cool these animals are. So, you know, that that's due in large part to this young man's efforts and, and his inspiration as a human being. And yeah. I believe that, that that movement will continue. And uh, yeah. like you say, the truth will win out. Well, there, and there is something uh, about what you were talking about and Rob's philosophy about we could we can become some ways the change we seek and 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 that means a, an evolution of our our the way we approach the world is not something to be conquered but something to be embraced and yes. and and that and that is truly the the path forward for us as a species to evolve i i like to say to people when they talk about um climate change or some other environmental issue and that they don't believe it they don't believe in it. I often hear that phrase. I don't yeah, believe yeah. in it. Well, this is not a matter of this is not a matter of whether you believe in it. This is this is the thing. The planet will survive. It may take a millennium to recover from the damage that we're going to do to it if we can if we continue on this path. 
it will survive. The question is whether or not the species will survive. And whether or not you believe it or not is irrelevant at this point. (laughs) Yeah, you you nailed it right there, buddy. I mean, whether you believe it or not, the the world will take care of business, you know? And uh, it may shake us off like a bunch of fleas, and I'm hopeful that we don't take all the other species along with us. Yeah. Uh, you know, it'd be really cool if we can find a way to make that evolution happen in a, in a fast, uh, full throttle kind of method so that we can stay involved in the process of this beautiful planet as well. Right. So this is this <laughs> is the uh, Brock. This is the question. We've got 10 at the outside, 20 years to make this right, to turn this around at the most 20 years. Yeah. I don't I mean at the uh, most. At the most. So this yep. is it. This this the guns off the gun went off. We are in the race, and we have to, we have to win it. We we have yeah. to win now. And along the way, it will require a tremendous change in in the way that we see the world. A tremendous change, and and maybe yeah. just maybe that is the path forward. And that uh, I I think you nailed it, man. You're exactly correct. And it, it constitutes a change in all of our behavior and the way that we treat each other, the way that we eat. You know, you name it. It, it. it does require that kind of change in us, but we're the only species that's had this opportunity. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I, I know we can do it. Right. Um, well, I'll just, tell you what, what gives me a little bit of uh, hope, and that is we're, we're beginning to talk about it here in the United States in terms of political initiatives in a way that I've heard before, but this time it feels like this is that this is the kidding around is over. the The time for for patting people on the head and telling them what we'll get around to it is over. Yeah. And, and you're going to see a tremendous reaction on the part of vested interests who want to see the world continue as it is. But as I was told by my former girlfriend, a Latina woman, and said uh, that a dying donkey kicks hardest, and I believe that is what we're going to see before we get on the other side of this. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I think that uh, that's a really good analogy. I've not heard that one before, but it makes perfect sense. It does. And you're right. We're, we're right up against uh, the edge of our own survival. And I'm motivated, and I can tell that you are too. Yeah, so I'm hopeful that a lot of the listeners will be the same, do the same, and, and throw their hat into the ring and uh, arm themselves with information and with knowledge and with love and with acceptance, and, and let's get out there and change this world. That is a great note to end on. Uh, terrific. Thank you so much. Uh, the film, again, is Sharkwater Extinction. Uh, it is about sharks. It's about the survivability, sustainability of this beautiful mammal and how, it's go- how it impacts the ocean and how it impacts us. And a, and a beautiful story told through the eyes and of uh, of Rob Stewart, uh, he uh, and and yourself as well, Brock Cahill. This is a obviously this is a collaboration. Obviously, everyone put their heart and soul into this, and it's it's a fantastic documentary. Uh, I will just say that it's a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes for people who care about that. If that matters, it shouldn't. But what the heck? I'll throw it <laughs> throw it in there, and uh, and just uh, check this out. Go to Sharkwater. Dot com to find out more about the film and where you can see it and how you can see it. And you can also donate to, uh, to the uh, cause of preservation of sharks and the, the flourishing of sharks, as well as Sea Change Agency, uh, which is Brock's um, 
your 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 uh, organization. So uh, we have to win. <laughs> yeah, we got to win. You're exactly right, and uh, I can sense that uh, you know you've got some good ideas under your hat. So let's employ these, you know, and let's yeah. let's spark that next evolution. You know, one of my friends that's a biologist says. Brock, I wish you'd quit saying evolution because evolution is too slow. We need revolution. Oh, there you go. <laughs> you know, well, let's just put an R on the front end of it, and uh, we'll go with that. Well, you know, I'll have one more pithy thing that I'll throw out to to you, which is revolution is impossible until it happens. Then it was inevitable. And, that's right. And, and and you know what? And that that's that is the world. That has been the the history of the world in so many ways. So uh, it it's impossible until it happens. And gosh, that was then it was inevitable. And that I think is where we are going. We are going to find ourselves. So uh, all right, Brock. Well, I appreciate your time today. I appreciate the film and the work. And my heart my heart goes out to all of you who have lost a, a true warrior. In, in the person of Rob Stewart, and uh, this is an incredible testament uh, to him, his, his work um, in this film. So my congratulations on all of those things. Thanks a lot, Mike. Thank you. And I appreciate the chat today. It's a, it a good one and a spirited one, so I hope a lot of people will hear this and be inspired and motivated and go out there and do their thing. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.